Octa Non Verba is a show that's raw and real, featuring hard-hitting interviews with people that live by the ethos of actions, not words. Marcus Aurelius Anderson is a TEDx speaker, best-selling author, veteran, and leadership and mindset coach. With this show, you get to join Marcus as he goes inside the minds and experiences of the world's most successful warriors, leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts. With each episode, you're going to get the philosophies, concepts, tactics, and strategies these leaders use to turn adversity into victory. Live an extraordinary life based on actions, not words. Now, here's your host, Marcus Aurelius Anderson. Octa non verba is a Latin phrase that means actions, not words. If you want to know what somebody truly believes, don't listen to their words. Instead, observe their actions. I'm Marcus Aurelius Anderson, and my guest today truly embodies that phrase. Rockin' Rocky Twitchell is a bodyguard, bouncer, soap maker, father, and Jeet Kune Do instructor. He's the founder of Liahona Warrior Arts International and T5 Boxing Coach that teaches and studies lots of martial arts like Muay Thai, Western Boxing, the Filipino Martial Arts, with a lineage from Guru Dan Nosanto, Garrison Knife Fighting, Pin Coxie Lot, and also he's a senior full instructor under Larry Hartzell of Junfan Jeet Kune Do. And Larry Hartzell is a legend, people, so we're going to talk a little bit about him. We're going to talk about the entire wild ride that has been Rocky's career. And if you want to know more about him, to hire him for a seminar, to have him come out and teach your school or your police department any self-defense, go to check him out, Rocky Twitchell on LinkedIn, and we'll tell you more about how to get a hold of him later on in the conversation. So, Rocky, thank you for doing this. This has been a long time coming, my friend. Oh, honored. Absolutely honored. I'm honored to be on here. It's awesome to have you on there. And you're wearing the Black Label Society t-shirt. We're both very big fans of Zach Wilde and that society. So, And you said that you... He calls you, what's he call you? He calls me the JKD man. The JKD man. I go to all the shows. Anytime he's local, I go to all the shows. I hang out backstage and we, we talk martial arts. So he's all, this is the JKD man. So actually a couple of times I've missed a couple opportunities to go backstage. I was just got caught up talking to somebody and all of a sudden the whole crew went back. And then later on, he'd be like, hey, where's Rocky, man? Where's the JKD man? Get back here. So <laughs> hey, after show, after show and stuff. I'm like, yeah. Very nice. And then you were recently inducted into the the Martial Art Hall of Fame in Los Angeles. Yeah, it was actually it was actually quite a few years ago. Okay, but like that was an awesome opportunity because my police chief here at University of Davis, California, goes, "How are you going to get down there?" I go, "I have no idea. I'm just going to try hitchhike, whatever it takes." And he's all, <laughs> "We're going to paid my way," and it was just, it was absolutely awesome. So I get to meet you know Chuck Liddell and all kinds of great you know they're all, "Hey Rocky, how are you?" I'm like, hey, "Whoa, you guys all know who I am." You know, so that's a big honor. And then it's also nice whenever you have somebody that recognizes it and does the right thing, right? It's, it's nice when people understand because being a martial artist, there's a lot to it. And we are putting our bodies and our minds and our, our spirits through a lot of stuff to try to learn these arts and to learn them correctly from the right person for the right reasons. And frankly, to be able to train with a person of the caliber that you have trained with your entire career those people are very guarded. Like maybe you can go to a seminar with, you know, Sifu Hartson when he was alive or even with Guru Anasanto when he teaches. But there's one thing to go to a seminar and get like a little certificate that says that you've done X amount of hours of training and another thing to be allowed to go train with them closely or just instructors are allowed to come to train with them. And that's a big deal. So tell us about, I guess, about a little bit about your journey and then about the importance of having this martial mentality in everyday life. Well, so when I was a kid, I got picked on really bad. I had red hair, freckles stuck out. I just, 
I was kind of a nerd. I mean, I just, I was a nerd. And then it just gave bullies an easy target to pick on. I got tired of that. One of my neighbors moved in and he started teaching my friends and I martial arts. He's all, you know, this will help you to get through your your life. I'm like, martial arts can help me get through my life. I mean, all it basically do is teach you how to fight, you know. So you're going to fight. You're going to fight somebody. So you're going to be fighting the rest of your life. And then I started finding out, oh, guess what? Martial arts isn't all about physical, you know, trying to beat somebody up. It's actually quite the opposite. You know, you learn self-control. And then what's interesting, too, is you learn how to harm somebody. You're like, I don't want to harm that person. And then you're like, okay, what can I do? What can I do this martial art to do? Oh, I can use it to help people defend themselves. So instead of attacking somebody, I can teach people to defend themselves. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, that builds self-confidence, builds self-worth. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this, this is a, it's almost like a bottomless barrel. I can't find the, you know, what, what is martial arts going to do for me? Well, it's going to give you everything, you know, self-discipline physical attributes you'll be in good shape you won't be unhealthy i'm like wow so that was a early sign for me like you know what i get older i think i'd like to teach this you know and then you find out it's oh it's very competitive it's like mm, there's like yeah. a auto dealer in every corner <laughs> when should i join i'm like well maybe i should kind of like just get along with everybody and then i went well I really liked Bruce Lee. I really, really liked Bruce Lee as a kid because he wouldn't let nobody pick on him. So I'm like, I would like to be like Bruce Lee, but I can't be Bruce Lee. So who could I train with? Oh, I could train with Drew Dan and Asanto. Oh, I could train with Larry Hartzell. And so those two paths were crossed. And so now I still continue to train with Drew Dan. And then, of course, Larry Hartzell passed away, which was really disheartening because he truly was a fantastic man. If someone were to say something bad about him, they must have had some a falling out with them or something because if you really liked Larry Hartzell, you knew exactly what how he portrayed himself. And he was he was a true man in the ring, you know, in the train with you in the in the dojo. He was a true man outside. Yeah. And for those that don't know, Guru Santo was Bruce Lee's protege. And then Sifu Larry Hartzell was an instructor under Guru Santo, but he was also a student of Bruce Lee's as well. So that's direct lineage from that. And it's one thing to you know, you know, Bruce Lee's a legend and you and I were discussing before we hit record that he isn't as well known now as he was before. As a matter of fact, I had one person that came at me almost sideways. They were like, well, Bruce Lee wasn't a martial artist. Like he has all these philosophical quotes, but he never did anything. And it's like, it shows me their level of ignorance because, you know, even if you looked at the martial arts that he portrayed on the film, we understand. And I think everybody understands now, like the newest John Wick film or any, you know, wire work that people are doing. Through cinematography, they have to make it entertaining for the average person because we were talking about, you know, bouncing. If you just film a, a real fight, like when I pox out that guy in the, in the face and I knock him pretty much unconscious and I'm able to pin him, that's boring. Like it's fast and it's quick, but that's explosive, but that's it. There's nothing else. But they want to see this back and forth, you know, the Rocky story, if you will, where maybe this guy gets his ass kicked for about five or 10 minutes and he's thrown through a window and they hit him with a two by four and somebody breaks a beer bottle. And then finally, you know, when he looks like he's almost done, he finally finds a way to come back and it's the, the hero's journey. Right. But people don't understand that that's what is on in cinema. A real fight happens quickly. Tony Blower, right. He says that violence loves speed because it catches us off guard. So that's why it's so important to have this martial mentality, even this idea of a situational awareness, like we can circumvent 80% of most violent encounters if we simply have the ability to keep our head on a swivel or give the illusion that we're at least paying attention and we don't have our head buried in our, our phones or something else that's not, you know, in this moment, right? 
I got when I got cut off my old Instagram account, I was actually making small videos and putting them out of, you know, hey, some of you people got your head in your phones, put that thing away. And when you walk from your car to wherever you're going, put it in your put it in your pocket and quit looking at it. People get so complacent, just like nothing and nothing will ever happen. That's always my biggest thing. I tell people, you know, oh, nothing ever happens to me. Well, it's gonna happen to you someday because you're not paying attention, and then you're gonna wish bad. Well, and it when I was studying criminal justice. They were saying that there aren't really criminals. There are just opportunities and people that are opportunistic. So if you're ever in a situation where you allow yourself to be easily victimized or you have this illusion that, oh, I don't have to sleep, you know, where I, where I live, we don't even lock our doors at night. And it's like, guys, that's a real dumb, you know, single point of failure. It's the same idea of, yeah, I mean, you may not expect to get into a car wreck, but you wear a seatbelt and you have, and you have insurance, right? You, you hope to God you don't need it. We all have life insurance. We hope to God we don't need it. But if something happens and something comes at us quickly and that's how it does, we don't have the luxury of saying, oh, I'm going to do this now. It's like, no, it's too late. Like you're already in it. What are you going to do now? And most of the time it's not going to be a pretty outcome. There's so much to that. (laughs) So tell us about the first time you met Sifu Heart Cell. Tell us what was really, you explained to me about, for those of you that don't know, Larry Hartzell is the one that I mean, Bruce Lee was already looking into grappling. I, I believe that he had like 33 books just on wrestling alone or different kinds of wrestling. But Larry Hartzell truly had done a lot of wrestling, grappling, and he gave Bruce a lot of insights into what worked, what didn't. Again, understanding, you know, even leg locks and things like that, which even in like jujitsu or different kinds of catch wrestling, it was, well, catch wrestling, not so much, but in jujitsu or judo, those things were sort of taboo because you you didn't do that. That wasn't like the honorable thing, but it was like, no, it doesn't matter. Like if this is a, an opportunity for you to, to win, you should absolutely train it. And frankly, if it's something that's a weakness for you, you should absolutely train the defense to that. Right. If nothing else. Very true. When I first met Sifu Hartzell, it was at Elk Grove Martial Arts Academy. Elk Grove Martial Arts Academy is no longer in existence, but I, like I told you earlier, I, I would love to train with Bruce Lee, but he passed away. You know, when I was a young kid and I, I fell into that trap where, but you know, he was on some Island training and he's going to come back. <laughs> yep. The Elvis of martial arts. Yeah. Yeah. And then one day I go, man, I want to train with somebody who's closely related to Sifu Hartzell's or uh, Bruce Lee. Who can I train with? Oh, Guru Dan Nisanto. Oh, he's in LA. Long trip. It's difficult to get there. It's expensive. Okay. Well, who else, who else is on that list? Oh, Sifu Larry Hartzell. He actually comes up to my area. And trains twice a year. Oh my gosh. I went down, signed up at the school, and then I started training with Sifu Hartzell in 95. And I remember the first day he walked in the door, I just remember it was real quiet. Everyone was kind of chatting, and we just waited for him to show up. And it was almost like I felt him come in the room before he actually came in. Yeah, he had a presence for sure. Quiet. And I'm like, I looked over to the door and I'm like, I wonder if he's coming. Oh, there he is. He kind of limped in. I was like, big, tall, you know, strong. But I just, I remember him limping and I remember him smiling. I'm like, okay, this guy is tough. But what's interesting is, you know, he's got a smile on his face, but he's super tough. I was kind of like, I was taken back. Like, how can you be both? How can you be like super tough guy and a big old smile on your face? Sifu Hartzell. I was like sitting down. I stood up and I went over and I shook his hand. Like I was the first one to shake his hand. He's all, oh, hey, are you Rocky? And I'm all, yeah. You know, I was like. And he's all, yeah. And then, you know, he went around shaking everyone's hands. I was just like, wow, this guy. And then from that point on, I swear to you, it was like everything with him got better. 
it progressively got better. It never got like, oh, I don't like this guy. I don't think what he's talking, telling me is, is going to work for me. And then you're like, wow, I really need to learn my stuff. And I remember probably like maybe three years training with him. He's all, hey, Rocky, come here. He goes, I got some stuff that I think you'd really like to learn. And I'm like, what's that? And he goes, it's called Pinch Oxy Lot. I'm all, Pinch Oxy Lot, what's that? He goes, look it up. I'll guarantee you. He goes, I thought of you as soon as you know, I kind of discovered this art myself. I thought of you right away. And I'm all, you thought of me? And he's all, oh, yeah, because I think you're really going to like it. And sure enough, to me, one of the most, one of the best martial artists that I have in my my system, the, the Pinch Oxy Lot, I really, really in, in, ingrained that into my, my philosophy and into my school because it really works and it's really effective. And uh, there was an article that I remember reading. It was an interview with Sufu Harsell, and he was making the comment about the first time he spar, spar with Bruce Lee and how spar, sparring with him, Bruce Lee was so elusive. He was so quick. His footwork was so good. He was saying essentially in some ways he would come towards Bruce and Bruce would tap him on the shoulder, like behind him almost because he was so evasive and able to get away from him so quickly. And he made these comments, which made a lot of sense to me because I'm not built exactly like Bruce. I'm a little thicker. I'm a little stockier. And Hartzell really kind of gave me permission because he said, listen, Bruce Lee was saying, you know, you're a dump truck. You're a big, strong guy. He said, you're not going to be able to move like a Ferrari. He said, so use what works for you. But it made a lot of sense because it all came together. Bruce Lee's, you know, mantra is absorb it as useful, discard it as useless and add it specifically your own. So just like you're saying with Pinjox a lot, this understanding of maybe the entry may be different. The way that you get in, maybe it's a low kick, maybe it's a cross hook, maybe it's a double under, but now you can apply the art. So it's about understanding what works for you, what works in that moment, because we cannot dictate the environment. We cannot always dictate the number of fighters that are there. We can't dictate anything. So oftentimes we're already a little bit behind. So we have to have these martial prowess that allow us to leapfrog violently to get ahead so that we can at least catch up with the, with the violence, because if we don't, and it's not always about us even like if we're trying to defend somebody else, which that's what you and I do. If we don't have the ability to do that, then we're letting those people down and the people that don't even believe that there's violence around or like to live in this blissful ignorance that it's not going to happen. That's fine. Because if I'm around, I know that those people don't have to worry about that. Right. You, you say that too. Like, so my bouncing, I protect three people. There's like, what do you mean you protect three people? I go, yeah. I protect myself. I protect the person who's actually committing the, the physical yeah. attack, I got to protect that person. And then I'm protecting an, another person. Usually there's usually three involved. I'm like, what do you mean? Me, the assailant, and then, you know, the innocent bystander. Well, wh why would you want to protect him? I go, well, first of all, the guy's drunk, so he's not himself. And then he's going to try and harm all these people. around I mean, I got to, I got to, I got a lot of responsibility. So I got to protect myself. I got to protect the person there and I got to protect him from him hurting himself. And so many encounters I've had where I could have just really hurt these people. I just, I'm gentle. I've, I've had to use my, my jujitsu, a little bit of my C-lot, but I just get him into a position where I just take him outside and calm him down and, you know, de-escalate the situation and let's call it good. And I was like, that's just, you, you had every right to punch that guy. That guy tried punching. I go, I know, but he's not himself. And so I'm not going to be punching this guy. I'm going to get him out into an area where I can calm him down and de-escalate the situation. It doesn't always end up that way. And then, Fights don't always up on the ground, right. but the goal is to de-escalate it, stop it, have the control, protect myself, protect the patron, protect the person who's the assailant. Like you, so many times, I get people go, "You should have punched that guy when you tried punching." I go, "No, no, why not?" And I go, "Because I just don't want to hurt him." What do you mean you don't want to hurt him? Like, He's trying to hurt you. I go, "Yeah, but I had the 
the ability to not hurt him. So I took that option. Yeah. So, and then Larry Harso many times would go, Hey, Rocky, I was bouncing when I was training with him. And he's like, I'm going to teach you some really cool stuff. And he taught me the six count lock flow. He taught me all kinds of extras. And I'm like, we well, don't teach that to the guy in Georgia. He's like, yeah, because the guy in Georgia does something totally different. So I know what you're going to need for you. I'm going to give it to you. And I was like, you know, at the time, I was just kind of like, okay, sure. And now I look back, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Wow. He really had some deep, deep, you know, thought to help me. I'm like, wow. I mean, he was really into like, you know, here's his for you, Rocky. And like I told you earlier, he'd always go, hey, I was Bruce and Bell. I'm like, he knows my kids' names? Yeah. Out of all the he knows, he still remembers my kids' names. He's, he's very kind, caring, and concerned. I'm like. You can't find people like that anymore, instructors like that anymore, you know? For sure. And even in, in my book, we were talking about the book earlier before we hit record, you know, Guru Nasanto, he would teach you different disarms, different ways to do the technique. And again, like some of those, they, they made sense to me. And some of them, I was like, this feels, you know, different or it doesn't feel right. Or I feel like it's hard for me to do it. He's like, if you're an instructor, I expect you to not only be able to defend yourself, like that's the bare minimum. To be able to defend somebody else, I expect that as well. But I expect you to be able to teach it to somebody because there's going to be people that are taller than you, shorter than you, stronger, weaker, more limber, less limber. And then again, the classic thing that he would always say, what you, the martial art you do when you're 20, when you turn 40, your body's different. So you may not have those same attributes. So understanding the blade, understanding the salat, understanding the ability to trip this person, to, to entangle them, to at least slow them down. That's something that what happens, even when we get older, if our strength goes away, that timing is everything. Miyamoto Masashi talks about rhythm and the importance of it in the Book of Five Rings. Bruce Lee talked about broken rhythm in fighting as well. So being able to just, we're here and now I can, even if there's a blade involved, I just, I push that guy and now he's off balance and now I can come back in and now I'm stepping in and now I'm taking him down or whether it be a double leg or a trip. And now the blade is not the, his biggest concern, but I can still use it in a way to pr either protect myself, somebody else, or, or him in the process, frankly, right? So it's about having this skill set that is so powerful that you can have altruism in the heat of battle, which is very hard for most people. Very true. Now, the only thing that I always get, I'm concerned about when I'm bouncing is like, you know, someone pulls a knife or a gun, then that's, it's, it's a, it changes everything, right? It absolutely does, yeah. Other than that, that's, I mean, this, the attributes and things that Sifu Hartzell gave me in the early days of the 1990s, is all blossomed. I'm like, oh my gosh, he was just like so far ahead of his time. Like, you know, his experience, you know, like, hey, here's, here's, here, you're going to need this, Rocky. I'm going to need this. And then now I'm, now I'm experiencing it. Oh, yep. Yeah, surely do. I need it. Yeah, he knew, he knew what he was talking about. So for people that are in everyday life now, and maybe they don't have a whole lot of martial art experience, what are some skill sets or some pointers that you can give them that they can start applying right now as a way to at least head off a violent encounter potentially? Well, the first and foremost, I tell all my students when we first, they start training, like, you know, the whole thing I'm teaching you is not to hurt or harm anybody. The goal I'm trying to teach you is how to protect yourself. You can look ahead 10 minutes and go, okay, I'm doing, I'm driving to an area that's not well lit. It's real dark. And I've had some people say there's a lot of homeless people down there that commit crimes. I'm going to avoid it. And I'm going to go do something different. But if I, absolutely have to go there, then I'd go there and I'd be real leery and I'd be on my toes and I'd be, you know, head on a swivel 360. And then, you know, situation awareness is the main, the biggest thing that people just don't care. They just, no. everyone says, like I told you earlier, it's never going to happen to me. It's just, you know, I see it on the news. I see, I've seen it happen to some distant friends, but it's never going to happen to me because I'm just, this has never happened to me. And then it's going to come, that little circle is going to come around someday. And there you are going to be going, man, I wish I'd have learned some skills to defend myself. Now, 
I tell my students too, it's not always like, okay, I'm going to punch this guy in the throat and then poke this guy in the eye and I'm going to kick him in the groin and I'm going to make him in my car and drive away. Yeah, that would be awesome. Okay, that, that might be cool, but it's probably not going to happen that way. It's going to maybe totally different scenario and better know some jujitsu. You better know something, how to get out of a, a, someone who grabs you from behind or pulls a knife on you. Or, But why should I study that? Because that's what's going to, that's how violence happens. People bring knives, guns, they bring their physical hand, they try to harm you. When I bounce, it's never an argument from 10, 10, 10 feet away. If right. they get right in front of each other and then they get physical and everyone wants to get a physical altercation, it's like, okay, so you need to train for that. I can, I can train all day long, situation awareness. Where are my surroundings? I'm keeping my distance. Okay, but sometime I'm going to turn my back and there's a guy right here in my face. It's time for me to go, oh, how do I handle that? Of course, de-escalation would be a good one too, but he's right here and he's got a knife. Oh, great. I better know how. It's like, you know, we're talking another two, insurance. I pay car insurance. I wear my seatbelt and I pay for car insurance. I never hardly get in a wreck and my seatbelt, you know, it's, it saved my life in an accident a couple of times. I mean, so you just go, that's same with martial arts. You just got to continually train, train, train. And then it's a mindset. Right. Uh, you know, Buckle Willink is always talking about discipline, self-discipline, self-discipline. I'm like, you got to give yourself that. And then it just puts you in a whole different mindset too. Because I tell people, you know, um, I read a lot of books. Like, like I was fascinated with your book, of course. One of my friends, Jack Hoban, wrote a book called The Ethical Warrior. There's where I learned, you know, a lot of steps about, putting yourself out there and then just being self-aware situation awareness, the physical attributes, you know, you got to learn how to, you got to learn how to fight. Do I want to learn how to fight to beat people up? No, I want to learn how to fight. So if I can maybe outrun this guy, this guy's chasing me with a knife. I can outrun this guy. <laughs> and then later on see him again. Hey man, that was a stupid move. You're trying to pull my, you know? instead of me going getting stabbed and going to the hospital, hoping I, I live through the, the wounds I just but were inflicted upon me, you know? So, yeah, avoidance, if, if we can, avoidance is always the answer. And there's something else that people don't understand. Even if we are in the right, even if I have defended myself, even if it's all on like closed caption TV and they overtly see this guy draw a weapon or throw a punch at me and I defend myself and some something happens and that person has complications and they go to the hospital and now there's permanent damage or God forbid it actually kills them, right? There are repercussions. So oh, even, yeah. though, even though I've done everything correctly, they're going to say things like, well, you've been doing martial arts for 35 years. Why did you not have the ability to stop a bullet in midair or, you know, block the blade with your bare hand or whatever it is? And in a lot of ways, it's better, like you say, if I can just walk away from this guy and let him talk all kinds of shit to me, that's fine. Go ahead. You can say whatever you want about me. And, and until you step towards me or towards somebody else that's in my that I'm trying to protect, you can say whatever you want. I will walk around you. I'll just put that stoic shield up and it doesn't mean anything to me because in five minutes from now, it won't matter. But if right. I get pulled into that or if it even grabs my attention and now I'm not watching the other side and now I'm flanked by a couple of his buddies, now what have I done? Because I don't have situations, because I don't have discipline, I don't have the ability to control my emotions. Now I'm getting pulled into a situation that, again, there's no way to come back from it. It's almost like when you draw a blade or, or a bullet leaves your weapon, you can't bring that back. So avoidance is many, many times, if we don't get pulled into it, that's the, always the answer because there's going to be litigations, there's going to be repercussions. They're not going to give you the keys to the city because you stopped this violent terrorist that's on the streets trying to hurt people. That's not going to be what happens, guys. So stop having these delusions of grandeur that 
you're going to be, you know, doing all these things just because you stopped this person. In the grand scheme of things, there's a lot more to it than just being able to defend yourself in the moment. Correct. And, uh, and like lately, the homeless population here in California is it's run rampant. People are like, oh, they're just poor homeless people out there. No, there's some pretty rough folks out there. Oh, yeah. Walking my neighborhood. We call them walkers, like from mm-hmm. Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. Walking everywhere. And they're, they're dangerous. I mean, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately dangerous. They're hungry. They're, they're cold. That's right. unfortunate. But they're dangerous. They, they, you know, my kids, I tell them they cannot go to the park mm-hmm. unless group can't go by yourself. Can't just two of you at the same time. Nope. I got to be at least three or four or five of you because it's scary times out there. And people, martial arts isn't all about fighting. It's about, hey, I'm in good shape. I'm in good condition. I'm really aware that, you know, if I go around the corner and this guy pulls a knife on me, I could probably get stabbed really bad. So I think I'm going to avoid that. Yeah. Yeah, but absolutely. You know? Yeah, so Ryan is. Throws a lot of good common sense. Of course, you got the cocky guys. You know, they think they're martial arts, you know, they go, they're just doing good abs and look good for the girls, right? But <laughs> it doesn't work out in the end, right? But, yeah. you know, martial arts is an awesome thing to have in your repertoire. You know, just having some kind of form of martial arts because then you have all kinds of friends in the martial arts world you have so many friends in the martial arts world if you're been involved like i've been involved in it for 40 plus years i have some amazing friends yep. well and that's another good indication of because as you were saying even where i'm at in oklahoma and tulsa there are a lot of different martial artists and there are a lot of different you know kind of ones that spring up overnight on the corner and they sign a six month or three month lease and then they kind of disappear they get a bunch of people's money they leave or I guess it's this idea of when people are trying to find a good martial art academy or school or Kulin or dojo, or whatever you want to call it, when you walk into it, you have to get this feeling that like, because some people that have never done martial arts before, they're intimidated. They walk in and they, they walk into school and it smells like sweat. And there's like a, you know, people that are, you know, doing something, whether it be, you know, jujitsu or, or you hear the pads being hit or you hear the, the buzzer going off whenever they're, they're doing rounds, right? Or there's music going, like there's a lot of energy in there, a very martial environment. But if you're not used to that, it can fe- seem overwhelming. So what are the things for us to look for, like the earmarks of a good school whenever we walk in, if we're trying to find a good place to train? Interesting you say that. So yesterday on Saturdays, I teach at my gym, my T5 boxing gym, and I have private lessons. And then I have kids class and then I have an adult class. And then the adult class, a guy walked in, I didn't recognize him but I, I acknowledged him. I gave him a thumbs up and then I made my way over to him. Like, Hey, what's up? And he's all, Oh, I'm here. Uh, I'm here to have my students spar. And he goes, are, are you Nick? And I'm all, no, I'm Rocky. And he's all, well, I'm looking for Nick. I don't want to talk to you. I go, okay. Well, Nick's not here. Nick was here an hour ago and I don't know where he at now, but you know, if you want to come talk to me about what you want to do, let me know. Come talk to me. He never talked to me. And so I just got students walk up to me going, Hey, Rocky, this guy over says he's going to clean my clock. I go, clean your clock. He goes, oh, yeah, when he wants my fight. He saw my size and shape and wants me to spar his student. I'm like, so I go there and try to talk to the guy. He wouldn't talk to me. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So this, I mean, everyone right away went like, this guy is a total jerk. The student was awesome, but the instructor was just like, you know, I'm like, oh, my gosh. So when people walk in the door of your school, you walk in, you want to see, you know, warm welcome. Looks like a bunch of hard workers, like a jiu-jitsu school I used to train at. You walk in there, everyone's already working out, grappling on the ground, going. You, you bow before you go on the floor. You go do your work. You come back out, and it's just amazing. It's the cool instructors are the ones who sit there afterwards and talk to you and shake your hand and 
and touch you and say, Hey, you know, did you learn anything today? Are you having a good day? You know, can I help you with anything? And then that's the family unit you want to see when you go into a school. So many schools now are like, okay, it's, it's a membership. You're paying money for this, go do your thing. And then the instructors become totally like, you know, Oh yeah. I'd like to have you come to the next class. Oh, how much is that? It's 150 bucks. You're like, Oh my gosh. Okay. So what do you really need the, what do you really want me for the class for? Well, I got, I need, I need to fill the class, need 10 people. You'd be the 10th person. Why are you trying to fill the class? Well, because I make extra money off filling the class. Oh, all right. Well, cool. You're not, you're not just doing it because you want to have me learn more and get better. Right. Oh no, no. I need you there for, uh, you know, I got a bills pay, bro. You're like, okay, that's starting to sound a little like, you know, you're just looking for financial help. I'm looking for somebody who says, you know, give me the opportunity to go in there and train, be the 10th person to go to fill the class so that it looks good and strong. And then I learn, I'm getting something out of it. So just, you know, hand over my money. So I mean, it's just the classic thing with all the martial arts schools. You get some people who just all they're worried about is, you know, filling the numbers. The kids I work with, I touch each one every time I train. I come up and give them a high five. I touch them somehow physically and just let them know, hey, man, I'm here for you today. Let's, let's do some you know, I'm here for you. And then I've got little kids go, man, I really like that shirt on the wall, but I, mom, my dad doesn't have the money. You know, somehow, some way I slip the shirt in their bag, Yep. you know, flip it, you know, next day they come back. Oh man, I found a shirt. There's a shirt in my, in my bag. I'm all, oh my gosh. Really? Wow. That's crazy. Like, this is like, I feel like a million bucks, you know, and my dad, could, my dad didn't have the money, but uh, I guess you must have the money or something. Cause I, I got the shirt in my, my bag, you know, and you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, and that's awesome. That's, that's, feeling you know when you walk into a school you should feel like you're 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 coming into a family the family's there to help you it's not about the money you know it's not about the violence it's about hey i'm i'm gonna be a healthy person after all this i'm gonna be in good shape i'm gonna be able to defend myself i'm gonna be able to stand up for myself when someone says something hey you know i used to always think that bullies only existed in high school you know like high school out of high school free living right i mean i I go over i want Life is me great. Oh my gosh. Bosses, yep. you know, my bosses in the past have been major, major bullies. I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, everywhere you go, there's a bully. I'm like, oh my goodness. Everywhere you go, there's a bully. I'm like, why? They exist and they, they don't go away. So martial arts combat. Yeah. It never goes away. And even what you're mentioning, you know, people that had this like, you know, hard ass kind of attitude, like that instructor that you were describing, they didn't want to talk to you. I've had a lot of people that I don't think they understand. Like if I walk into a room and I have like a beat up distressed Glock hat on and a tight t-shirt that says, you know, kill or be killed. And I have on sunglasses that are wrapped around. Like I look like an operator. I'm not really, really a gray man, so to speak. Like I'm that guy that's looking to see where the, the violence is and I'm kind of sizing everybody up. That's not exactly, and and even if that's in a school or even if that's like if I walk into a restaurant or to a store, like that doesn't, anybody that has any training whatsoever or frankly has even seen a movie about people that do anything, I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb. But if I can walk in and I'm looking around and I'm smiling, I'm acknowledging people and I'm, I'm waving, right? Like it doesn't mean I'm like trying to run for office, but what it means is it allows me the opportunity to hide in plain sight and still be very jovial and help a lot of people waving to the person that's this, you know, doing whatever. And now I don't look like a threat. And now I can still look around and still scan my environment. I still have a lot of situational awareness. 
but I'm doing it in a way that's not evasive. I'm doing it in a way that's not adversarial. And now it makes it easier for me to blend in. And now I will see things that other people won't. Because if I walk in and like I said, I'm just like looking like I'm ready to, to go on like a direct action mission, that's not going to help me do what I need to do. So I'm failing the mission and I'm not helping people. And frankly, you know, if I'm doing it just to try to feel like I'm a badass, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons, right? Yeah, wrong reasons. That's all of it. Confidence, but most some of these people just gather the wrong confidence, you know? Right. They do. They gather confidence at the cost of somebody else losing confidence. And that's not why we're doing it. Like you said, with the martial arts, like if you and I train, like we should both feel, first of all, we should feel like, like you and I have never touched hands, but I don't think that you would try to do something untoddery to hurt me. Right. Because, but that's it. It's like, we're not going to like turn on and try to punch each other and hurt each other. But there are people that if you go into a school and they act nice to you and you slap hands and all of a sudden you're rolling or you're, you're boxing or whatever. And it's like, you're going light and all of a sudden somebody clicks on and they try to, again, they're doing this because they feel inadequate because they, they want to take your confidence. They want to gain confidence by hurting you, which I always thought that was stupid because like in the book, it's like, even if you go to work on Monday and say, yeah, I beat this guy up. It's like, well, that guy didn't have any training. Nobody gives a shit. And who's, you sound like an, an ass trying to do that to somebody, right? Or usually, usually the scenario is that guy was sick that day. So you were able to roll with him and you're like, man, I'm doing really good. And then you get cocky, right? And then, oh, by the way, that guy was sick. Yeah. That guy was sick or that guy's injured or that guy is just coming off yeah. an injury. Yeah. It's like, dude, this is not about you. And, and that was the other thing too. Like uh, Eric Polson was saying how that if you, break your toys, right? Like if you're sparring and you're getting ready for a fight or a tournament and you're like constantly hurting your, your partners, one, they're not going to want to spar with you. They're not going to want to make you better Two, Even if they do, if they're injured, they can't. So you're actually shooting yourself in the foot in a lot of ways, even if you're trying to get ready for a tournament or even if you're trying to get ready for a fight. And if you're trying to get ready for a fight and you don't have people to train with, I mean, you can only do so much conditioning. You can only do so much stuff on the bag. You can only do so much stuff you know, on, on a dummy, like it's not the same as having a live partner or you realizing that I had this weakness and the person I'm fighting is really good at this, you know, a single leg. And I don't have a good defense to that. Like you need somebody coming at you with some energy to, to be able to, to learn that skill set, Right. It's interesting too, as you say that uh, I teach at a school here in Sacramento called legacy Muay Thai. And I always tell them, I, I team my guys up and I do little drills together. We do a little sparring drill together. And then I take them over to the bag and I go, always do the best you can to treat that punching bag like it's a real person. Absolutely. I try to reiterate that. Now, just remember, it's not just a piece of leather hanging there. Try to treat it like the person. I go, it's hard because there's no face, there's no limbs, but dry. Try to see like it's a person in front of you. Envision that. And then watch your focus change. You know, it'll, it'll change. Oh, yeah, it's a person. Because you can hit a bag all day long, then go outside and someone tries to punch it and you're like, you panic, right? So... But a lot of just uh, transitionary stuff going on. So, yeah, that's the art of boxing, right? Is hitting and not being hit. Like, we know we're going to get hit, but we try our best not to to take as much damage as we can avoid it, right? Yeah, May, May, I know. I know a lot of people don't like Mayweather, but I actually like Mayweather a lot because mm -hmm. he's actually the epitome of what boxing is really supposed to be. You're not supposed to get touched. You know, it's it, it, like I never touched him. Remember when Marvin Hagler fought Ray Leonard? Absolutely. Uh, Robert Hagler was so mad because he's like, he just wouldn't go toe to toe with me. And Sugar Leonard knew if I went toe to toe with Robert Hagler, I'm going to get my belt rung and I'll get knocked out. So I'm not going to go toe to toe. I'm going to jab, cross. I'm going to hook him. I'm just going to stay away from him because I, if I fight his fight, I'm going to get knocked out. That's it. When I interviewed Andre Berto, former boxing champion of the world, it was the same thing where he was like, 
why would I play into this guy's game? If he's an inside guy, I will stay on the outside. Yeah. If he's a big outside guy, I'm going to crowd him, get inside where he's uncomfortable. I mean, why would you play into that? This is this is where strategy comes in, guys. If you read The Art of War, I mean, it, it tells you at the beginning that that's what you should be looking towards. Well, you know, ego. Ego is just everyone's goes. It's always comforting to meet another martial artist or see someone who doesn't have an ego. I mean, just egos are egos destroy. So that's, I think with me and martial arts, another reason I like to train martial arts is I, I, I learn and grow and I get more advanced. I always got to check my ego. Willie Lariano used to always teach me to rock. You got to check your ego, bro. I'm like, I'd be getting all cool about something. You go, Hey, check your ego. I'm like, yeah, well, I better check my ego. You're right. Cause Eagles will get you in a lot of trouble. Yeah, absolutely. I think you kind of know the way I do a lot of the stuff where I'm I'm talking to people that are incredible at what they do and they, they're at a very high level, but I've never met anybody that's at a high level that has not gone through adversity in their life. Can you share with us a, an adversity that you went through at the time that it seemed like you may not get through it or you don't see a way through it? And then once you got through, you were able to find a gift or an opportunity within that. Can you give us an example of what that would be? Absolutely. I was just talking about it earlier. I was going through a real nasty divorce. I picked up your book and I started reading it. And I was like, I was fascinated because you trained with Guru Dan. I was fascinated. You had been injured and you were hospitalized and you were like, I didn't think you're ever going to make it. And then I started looking at my life and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going through a divorce. I love this woman. I appreciated her. I, how she, she could do this to me. I guess I didn't put enough into the marriage. Then I started blaming myself. Oh my God all my fault i think i'm just i'm a total failure i'm never gonna amount to anything and i started going on a downward spiral i cried all i did was cry every day i did it for like three years i cried i cried i cried i cried the counselor at uc davis got me some counseling session then i completed that counseling i went to brain spotting i don't know if you ever heard of that but i took brain spotting and the lady would bring out this little rod and she'd hold it at different angles and at different angles she would find out where i was affected the most and it's she had this complete control of me when she put this rod out in front of me and asked me these questions. And I, the brain spotting got me through it. Your book got me through it. So many of my friends got me through it, but I get to, I just came to a really super low point in my life. And I'm like, what am I doing here? What, what is my life purpose? I've gone through all these things and now I'm here. And then I had to kind of slowly start rebuilding myself. Like, okay, what's your martial arts, by the way, teaches you about all this adversity. What are you doing? What are you, you know, what are you thinking? You have all the skills and the tools in a big giant toolbox. Why don't you start using them? Oh, hey. And then I started applying those. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Those little kids look up to me at school. What if I suddenly just were to quit and they just go off somewhere and just, you know, they'd all be like, hey, where's Rocky? You know, I might have some kind of something that's going to be. I've had several kids that I've been teaching since diapers. I mean, they're almost teenagers now, right? And the parents are like, love you, man. We we're going to feel bad when our kids go away because we won't be around you. I'm like, Oh man, I, I was going to give up that for a while because I was, has such a, you know, low self-esteem. And then I realized, Oh yeah, my martial arts helps you keep that structure. It gives you that structure. Why are you trying to look away from it? So I started applying, reapplying my martial arts, reapplying my life skills, you know, reading your book, you know, cause you always think when I was going through my divorce, I'm the only one that's ever experienced this. You know, why am I punished? No one ever facing like I've got. And I saw, I read your book. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you've been way through way more than I have. And look how you, you got yourself through it. You pulled yourself out. So you inspired me. I know my martial arts instructors inspired me. 
my own curriculum. I'm like, I created this curriculum for the kids to help them get through tough times. I'm like, I'm not even applying it myself. Oh, if I started to apply it, maybe it'll work. Hey, it works. So here I am six years later, you know, I'm like, I got through it, man. I'm not crying anymore. I, you know, I pulled myself together. I realized it wasn't all my fault. I mean, two sides, always two sides of a story, right? You're like, oh my God. So martial arts was a big catalyst for me. It's been that for me all my life. Um, I got picked on, I turned to martial arts. When I went through my divorce, I turned to martial arts. I turned to friends like you. I turned to people who would always say something positive. You know, Tom Shea, one of my friends, he, he's always telling me, hey, Rock, you're not the only one. You know, cry. I'm like, what? You'll yeah, cry. Real men cry, you know. I'm like, oh, okay. You gotta cry it out. Then you, know, you won't have to cry. And you'll look back and you'll go, you know, and then you'll be there for somebody else. Hey man, don't look down, look up, keep your head up. You'll you'll be there for somebody else. So you had to go through it. I'm always telling you, I had to go through the shit pipe. Yeah, I didn't want to go through it. Nobody does. But I did it. Now here I am, like, you know, and there's more challenges ahead, of course, right? Because everyone thinks it's just you get to hear it all over. But martial arts was a big catalyst for me i didn't look at it for a while nah it can't help me i'm i'm there to help other people well you better start helping yourself before you can help other people that's it and that's like you said that's our ego right like if it's about oh i'm going to help these other people but you know my problem is too heavy it's like you're not that special it, it happens to everybody stop making yourself into this martyr thinking that this is what it is and everybody else can be okay it's like man you got to be able to apply that same amount of empathy and compassion to ourselves and if we're that person who has always been the one that's doing stuff for other people, that's tough. Yep. It's tough. The, the counseling that you went through and like the, the brain spotting and all that stuff, what was the biggest like breakthrough for you? Was there something that really just kind of blew your mind about the whole experience? The brain spotting I was taking was for someone who was actually for military veterans who have had real bad PTSD. And I was like, oh, I'm not a military veteran. I haven't gone to war. I've never fought. You know, I work, I work for, for the military, but I don't, I'm not, I've never went to boot camp. I never did all that stuff. And she's all, oh no, the stuff you've experienced is similar to that. And so you have to recognize that. I'm like, what? And then we started doing the therapy and then probably about maybe three or four sessions into it, I stopped crying because it was then I realized, oh, you know what? It's not all my fault. The person I was prior with was real very narcissistic so that everything I did was I always felt like it was my fault I and mean, I couldn't do anything right I couldn't say anything right I was never could do anything right and I'm like oh so I can do things right and then the the brain spotting she said most of the stuff that's happened to you has been on your left side hmm. I mean she's like like your arguments and things that you're faced with you usually sent you you usually stand to the side don't you and I'm mm -hmm. like yeah she's all that's where it's been affected. I was like, whoa, she had me, she had me pegged. You know, you never square with people, right? And I go, yeah, I always turn at an angle. She's on your left side is always the part that's getting, I was like, kind of blew me away. Like she knew, you know, and then she's like, you know, here's what you got to start doing every day. You got to keep applying yourself, doing, you know, reading your scriptures, you know, go for a run, go get some exercise. Oh my gosh. Isn't that what martial arts is all about? Oh yeah, martial arts. Oh yeah, my martial arts. That's what my martial arts teaches me to do. Keep myself healthy and and trim and and you know the ability to maneuver and you know de-escalate things and not have to be always physical. Oh yeah, apply your martial arts, Rocky. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I should apply it on myself. So I teach it to everyone else. It works if we work it right. It's octa number of a, and just like you're saying, the adversity that we face may not be our fault, but it's still our responsibility. It's still up to us to. Like, even though, you know, whether we're attacked or beaten up or whatever, 
Like that may not be our fault per se, but we still have to live with it. And so how do we decide to respond? How do we allow ourselves that ability to accept it for what it is? Stop, let go of what you think it should be. Let go of how it should be. Let go of what should have happened. Because when you do that, we're just in that delusion and we're not ever going to get through that, that place. But you were able to say, oh, there's this vehicle called martial arts that I've done my entire life. Why am I not applying it? And that's a great indication of, again, even a person like you who has it baked into your existence. Sometimes adversity can blindside us. And when it ambushes us like that, it makes us not know what to do. Very true. Very true. I, I love Tom Shea, obviously, as well. Tell me about Tom Shea, how you met him. And uh, for those of you that don't know him, I interviewed him earlier this year or last year. He wrote an incredible book called Three Simple Things. Very no-nonsense. Love that guy, especially in today's day and age. Everybody is very much into this, trying to deconstruct all this stuff of why and all these things. And he's like, stop asking why, because like, if you ask why you're going through this hardship enough times, lots of times it will give you an excuse to give up. He's like, the three simple things are keep your word, stop making excuses and just finish the task. Basically, it's like, don't, don't quit. Right. So as I told you, so when I started going through my divorce, I was already an avid book reader, but I went into my little hole and I'm like, okay, I really need to start researching. So I found your book. I think your book was actually either your Tom Shea. I think it was Tom's book. And then your book was next. Nice. I read Tom's book, Unbreakable Navy Soul's Way of Life, oh, and that yeah. started pulling me out. And then I found your book, and that started pulling me out. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay, there's my secret weapon, the reading of the books, right? And then so I just kept communicating with Tom over those years. Communicate, communicate, communicate. He sent me a shirt that said Unbreakable. Amazing. I wore that shirt to court 38 times. I just oh. wore it every time I went to court. I wore it, it was Unbreakable, Unbreakable. And I was just like. Because I totally tell you, I I felt pretty broken when I was going to court. I just felt so you know betrayed and just so oh, yeah. broken. Wore that shirt every time to court because the judge would be all like, "Oh, there's there's Rocky, it's unbreakable for sure." <laughs> Tom really pulled me out of that because I started learning. You know, what what are you going to tolerate, Rocky? What are you going to tolerate the rest of your life? So I'm like, oh, you know, what am I going to tolerate? Yeah. So a lot of people do a lot of tolerating and they just let things happen. So you got to stand your ground. You got to start, pull yourself up, look at yourself in the mirror and go, go. And then Tom taught me, okay, so you're going to fail. I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to fail. So you guess what? You're going to fail and you're going to enjoy it. It's like, fail and you're going to enjoy it. He goes, yeah, because failure is what's going to bring you back up. You're going to, if you fail, 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 you, you want to get to the top. So don't be afraid to fail. I was like, don't be afraid to fail. I mean, I, I win, 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 win. I'm always win, you know. I'm failing. Oh, okay. Well, now I know how it feels, but I don't like it. So they says, don't just, don't be afraid to fail. And that's what Tom, you know, I got through Tom. And then through your book, I just remember you, you know, you're laying in, you're in your hospital bed and you're like, you know, what am I going to do? I'm like, well, I've been in a hospital bed a few times, but I've never been like that. Yeah. And look at you, you pulled yourself out. And like, look at you now. You're like, you know, fantastic person. So you and Tom were two catapults pulling people in my life to get me out of my rut i'm so glad i was taught to read and read books i'm like i mean just falling upon your book and tom's book was kind of magical because i just started going i just went to the bookstore looking for books to like give me some inspiration here man give me some help yeah. tom shay's book hmm. your book oh wow you know 
like they were the ones that just like catapulted me out of all my misery and my ego and my, you know, fail. You're a failure, Rocky. No, you're not a failure. You know, you're not a failure. And, you know, you got to train with Guru Dan. You know, I mean, people go, oh, what's so big about Guru Dan? The guy's phenomenal. I mean, it's one time I went to a seminar and we kind of mixed and mingled a little bit, talking and did little physical things together, you know. And at the very end of the company, he goes, hey, Rocky, you wanted to say something? I'm all, oh, great. No, I'm in trouble. You know what I do? You know, I said something wrong. He's like, he goes, I learned so much from you. I'm like, oh, what? no, you didn't. He's all, oh, no, I learned a lot from you. He goes, I learned from everyone I train with. He goes, that's why I train with so many people is because I learned so much from each one. And I'm like, you really learned something from me? He goes, oh, yeah. He's like, I learned from him. All. Well, thank you. But I was like. How could you learn something from me? Because that's truly the, the mindset you want to have. You learn from everybody, no matter how good you get. There's always somebody better. You know, there's always someone. Like when I bounce up, I'm always telling my guys, just do the best you can to de-escalate the whole situation. Don't get physical because one night you're going to make a mistake and it's going to cost you. You know, you, you might get hurt. You, you might hurt him too bad. You might go to have a lawsuit, court case. Don't just do all you can to make it so it's just, you have no trouble. You know, I don't want any trouble. I'll just do the best you can. And and like you said to Guru Inosantos, I mean, this man's literally learned more martial arts and forgotten more about it than what you and I will ever learn in our entire lifetime. He has no need, quote unquote, to go learn any martial skills yet. I met Master Amre Bond through him because he wanted to learn Cambodian boxing from a champion from Cambodia. And Master Amre Bond's story, it's in my book, and I wrote that article in Black Belt Magazine about it. It's the same thing where it's like, had he not gone with his humility to learn from this man who has over 300 fights, there's no way that he would learn about that incredible backstory, that incredible resilience, that adversity that he went through. And it shows us how martial arts can get us through anything if we are willing to learn the lessons, but more importantly, if we're learn, learning to not be afraid of failing, if we see adversity as an indication of, and compass of where we should go, understanding that we had the skill set. We just have to have the commitment and lots of times the skill set is not enough. The commitment is not enough. We have to have both of them. And then we have to have the capacity to endure, to be unbreakable. Like Tom Shea says. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brother, I could talk to you all day, but I want to be respectful of your time. Tell our listeners, how can we learn about you? Where can we get in contact with you? Where can we have you come do seminars, come teach, do whatever it is. You're a incredible wealth of knowledge in the martial arts. I'm based in Sacramento, California. I have an Instagram account called Rock and Randall Twitchell. And you know the reasons why I had to change the name. My school name is actually Leahona Warrior Arts International and T5 Boxing. So I kind of combined the martial arts with the boxing, which is all, we all know it's the same thing. Of course. But people separated because, oh, I want to learn boxing. I don't want to learn Muay Thai. Right. Well, you know, you can do both. You can learn both, you know. But so Leahona Warrior Arts International and then T5 Boxing. Uh, T5 Boxing, there is a website for that. It's called www.t5boxing.com, I believe, somewhere in there. And then the, my Instagram is Rock and Randall Twitchell. I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter. I think Twitter it's Leona Warrior Arts. And then LinkedIn, I think it's Rocky Twitchell. Rocky Twitchell, yeah. My nickname, by the way, I used to tour with Bloister Colt, and uh, they called me Rock and Randall. So nice. I go Rock. And it's actually one of my friends goes, you should call yourself Rock and Randall. And I go, why is that? He goes, you know, like Rock and Randall, Hank Williams, you know, I'm in the country. <laughs> oh, yeah, you should call yourself Rock and Randall. I go, oh, that's a good idea. So 
but uh you know zach zach wild knows me as the jkd man so all that's good so instagram twitter linkedin i'm kind of all and facebook i'm on facebook too rock and randall twitchell on facebook so i want to to do seminars here i do seminars about every three to four months i have a seminar women train for free so any woman who goes hey, i want to go take rocky's you know seminar she walks in the door she gets to train for free and so why won't you just charge like 20 bucks i go no it's totally free that will spur a woman to give herself self-esteem self-empowerment and she can do herself and she does i've done my job and then i tell a lot of people too they go i don't want to come to the seminar because i got to bring all my kids and my wife i go bring all your kids and bring your wife they all train for free you know just you pay and they're like you're kidding me no if that's what's going to get you to come you know you just pay and then the rest of them come and hang out and then they all the kids get to go play with each other and build relationships i'm all for it absolutely so three four months i hold a seminar either here in grass valley or here in sacramento i have a lot of schools i can go to to do those type of things too mike mckenzie school in Cordova, I got legacy Muay Thai in Sacramento, or I can go to my gym in Grass Valley. And uh, I just try to empower people, give them, you know, give them that little insurance policy when they need it. Absolutely. Well, and then you also will fly out if people are in different parts of the country or all over the world, if they, if they're willing to, to learn, right? COVID hit. I was already talking to a bunch of people about flying out to them and doing a seminar. I'll, be the cheapest guy you ever have because I just like the opportunity to come meet other people and teach martial arts. I'll do it. I'm also looking into going to universities and opening up a self-defense program for them. I've done it for the University of Oregon. I've done it for the University of uh, Davis, California. I also did it for the Washington, D.C., UC Davis, Washington, D.C. University. I don't know how I said it right, but so I've opened up a of self-defense program for them they can and the guys that do the program they can change it any way they want i just give them the base right and then go with it and then i can i'll, I'll gladly fly it out to someone and put me in a hotel room or put me in a, on a cot near the washing machine i don't care <laughs> martial arts class you know on a weekend i will do it that's all up my alley absolutely all right my friend thank you so much for all you're doing and thank you for the work and uh, i look forward to talking to you soon oh thank you i'm honored you're awesome you are too Thank you for listening to this episode of Okta Nonverba. If this message resonates with you, please share it out with others on social media. Hit that subscribe button and leave a review for the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please go to MarcusAureliusAnderson.com and join his Okta Nonverba inner circle to get exclusive content, news, and information. Until next time, remember, talk is cheap. Live your life based on actions, not words.